Welcome everyone to another episode of Community Conversations hosted by the Peaceful World Foundation in Petaluma, California. Today, we are joined by Laura Mandel to lead our spotlight on the Mosaic Project. Laura is executive director and co-founder of the Mosaic Project, one of our grantees and received funding for their growing outdoor project and principal program. The Mosaic Project's mission is to work toward a peaceful future by uniting children of diverse backgrounds, providing them with essential community building skills and empowering them to become peacemakers. To learn more about the Mosaic Project and how we've collaborated, visit us at peacefulworldfoundation.org slash grantees. I thought it would be really nice for us to go around, introduce ourselves along with uh, where we're dialing in from. And maybe a question we can start with is what is our fondest memory of being outdoors? So I'll, I'll start. So I'm Heidi, I'm dialing in from Petaluma. And one of my fondest memories of being outdoors is as a little girl, me and my brother, would take walks up to the mountain behind our house. And I remember the feeling of uh, just this freedom, not to be in this chaotic, loud house, but being loud and chaotic with my brother in the outdoors was another kind of experience. And I always have those as a fond memory of my experience being with someone that I cared about in the outdoors exploring. Thanks, Heidi. I'll, I'll go next. Um, when I was a kid, we would go down to a place called um, Lago de Arareco in, in the state of Chihuahua. It's in the Sierra Taromara. It's a very beautiful place. And um, there was this cabin, a single cabin that was available for rent. And I remember my, my godparents, um, my mom, my sister, like just a big group of family, we'd rent it. Uh, we, we did it maybe two or three times. There's this awesome dock. And I just remember my fondest memories are kind of just being out there surrounded by this lake and this beautiful scenery and with family. So thanks, Heidi. I'll go next. So I'm Lou Zwire. I'm in Petaluma also. Uh, and I've been a backpacker my whole life. And uh, one of my favorite memories is when I was a teenager, for the first time I hiked into Cascade Valley, which is in the Sierra Nevadas. And it's a tough hike. It's like 15 miles over a 12,000 foot pass or something like that. And so I have a very favorite memory of uh, languishing in the sun, in the grass of the valley uh, after a very long hike in. That's a very favorite memory with my brother-in-law. He and I did it together. I will go. My name is Ross Whiffler. I am uh, dialing in from Santa Rosa, California. I apologize. And one of my first trips was the entirety of the John Muir Trail. And it was so difficult and so satisfying that I spent a lot of the trip thinking I would never do it again. And after spending 24 hours on top of Mount Whitney, 
contemplating life. Uh, I had already planned trips and I had took trips for over 20 consecutive years thereafter and changed my life. So that's my flashback experience for the outdoors. Thanks for sharing, Russ. I'm Gigi. I will share a little bit. I'm calling in from Miami, Florida today. Uh, and for those of us just joining us, I know Barbara just hopped on. We are sharing our fondest outdoor memory. So growing up in Florida, uh, everything is really flat. Of course, we have our beautiful beaches. Uh, so when I moved to California, I was uh, so, so, so excited to go on my first hike and go up a mountain. So my fondest memory is of hiking up Mission Peak uh, near Fremont, California, and just going all the way to the top, seeing above sea level for the first time in my life, <laughs> and just seeing all the uh, texture that was in the distance. I could go next. Um, I'm Tamara. I am dialing in from Albuquerque. Um, one of my fondest memories is actually, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting that we bring that up. Um, I had just posted a um, picture of the beach in San Francisco this morning on my Instagram, and I had tagged my siblings in it because um, you know, I remember my mom taking us after school or on the weekends to the beach. So it was a picture of that exact same beach, the exact same location. And um, it was just kind of nice, nice little memory. Well, I'm Dave Whitridge. I think I'm not muted. And uh, I'm calling in from Marin County. That's not really the Golden Gate Bridge behind me. That's a little scene that Genesis helped me set up, but that's actually about where I am. <laughs> I could, uh, and I guess one of my favorite outdoor memories was when I was in the army in Germany and I, I wasn't much of a skier but I went with some friends to uh, Mont Blanc and uh, we took a 26 mile ski run down from Mont Blanc down to Chamonix and uh, I felt like I was flying most of the way and I was stoked on skiing from uh, from then on. So. Hi everyone this is Elena. Um, I also need to keep my, my camera off for right now, but I'm happy to be part of the conversation. Um, I spent about half my life in Maine and one of my fondest memories um, I can think of is every summer I went to a camp where in the evening we would as campers go over to a large field that overlooked a lake to watch the sunset. And this was long before people had cell phones and uh, we weren't allowed to bring any disposable cameras or anything with us to take pictures of the sunset. The whole point was to sit in silence and meditate as, as we watched the sunset over a beautiful lake. And that, um, yeah, I'll, I'll always remember those years doing that. And I'm also um, in Albuquerque, like Julian. Thank you for sharing. I'm Barbara, and I live in Santa Rosa, California. I can't, it's hard to even know the favorite outdoor memory. There's so millions of them, but one um, that speaks to me right now is um, many years ago, traveling to the Golden Trout Wilderness area in um, the Southern Sierra Nevadas um, and um, going on horseback into the wilderness um, and just being quiet on the trail with a horse who is smelling all the scratches on the trees from the bears and hyper alert and just being um, so close to nature out there and being able to see the Milky Way at night was just breathtaking and um, just amazing memory. 
Thank you. I think that might be all of us. Uh, yeah. Um, today, the team and myself are really looking forward to our conversation with Laura Mandel. So Lara is executive director and co-founder of the Mosaic Project. And she is an anthropologist by training and has dedicated her time and energy to fomenting a more peaceful world by impacting in particular the youth. So welcome to the, the forum, Lara. I appreciate, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, definitely, Heidi knows this, but I love to talk about my work. There's nothing I love more to talk about. So I um, really appreciate this. And uh, it comes at a really special time. We just um, just got back. In fact, we finished cleaning up the camp yesterday. So we've been focusing on online resources and finally recording our second album that you were just listening to at the beginning and was definitely, there were some silver linings for us, but all the while we knew that there's nothing like being at the outdoor school in the great outdoors, as we just talked about. Uh, and definitely the experience that we just had confirmed that, you know, that I'm really proud of our curriculum and all the programs we do, but the magic really happens at the outdoor school where we bring fourth and fifth graders from different backgrounds together. And it is a little hard to explain exactly what it's like. So what I would like to do is start by uh, sharing a five minute video that, if that's okay, yes. that uh, really I think captures the spirit of the outdoor school. Teach our kids during the week with us, they get three keys to peace. And every time we say three keys to peace, the kids say, cause they just started it and we kept it jingle, jingle baby. But our three keys to peace are listening. And we go in great depth about listening, empathy and assertiveness, assertive communication, being strong without being mean, being kind without being weak, which is the foundation for peacemaking in all our conversation. And it's, it's we talk about how that's all our, our peacemaking heroes. That's what they did. They fought for human rights without using violence. They stopped the violence and spread peace instead. So that's the assertiveness. Um, and we also have talk about three peace blockers, blame, guilt, and defensiveness. Um, and there are, are, are songs about all of those things. Uh, so yeah, that it just was wonderful to hear that because there's so much overlap there. Oh, and I'm not supposed to share about my outdoor experience. Uh, <laughs> my family was not a camping family and I always wanted to backpack. And I, uh, but every summer we would go to Yosemite. And I think that really I developed my love for the outdoors there in Yosemite. And then as soon as I got to college, I joined a backpacking class and I too am now an avid backpacker. Uh, but the experience of going to the Yosemite Institute when I was in high school with a biology class, uh, I think really showed me the power of the outdoors when it comes to learning. And I will say that the kids being in a beautiful environment at a camp, under the stars that many of them have never seen stars like that before and being away from their schools and their usual stomping ground it's the magic ingredient to what we do it's what makes it different than doing an in-school program where we can have some impact but it's not like being at the outdoor school where they're with us a week and in this beautiful setting that it's the the little dose of magic uh, that makes the whole experience possible yeah so that's me in the outdoors all right and I've also enjoyed the golden trout wilderness for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. There's so much to talk about. 
uh, mm -hmm. you said already. But we'll go ahead and share that video. I think it's a wonderful introduction. You're right. So well produced. So here it is. Oh, you have it there. Great. Perfect. Thank you. Here we are many years after Brown versus Board of Education, and yet our schools and our communities are just as segregated as ever. You have schools that are physically so close to each other and yet worlds, worlds apart. Our children are growing up with little or no exposure to people different from themselves. This separation leads to fear and prejudice, discrimination and violence. And the cycle just continues. It isn't hopeless. There is something we can do and it's pretty simple. We know that when people actually meet people, know people who are different from them, we can break through those misunderstandings. This is what inspired me to create the Mosaic Project. The Mosaic Project breaks the cycle by reaching students before negative attitudes about difference become entrenched. Our principal program is our outdoor school. In each session, we bring together approximately 90 fourth and fifth graders from very different schools, very different communities. We provide fun, immersive, experiential programs that address issues of difference, empathy, and conflict resolution. I learned about being assertive. You, you, it's strong without being mean. You should stand up for yourself instead of being passive. I said jump! No, I will not jump. The reason why I like Mosaic is it teaches you how to have mutual respect, self-respect, how to be open-minded, how to um, get to know people better. Students participate all together in large group sessions by the campfire. And then they split off into smaller groups. Cool. I'm gonna lay down. Lay down. And my favorite thing to dream about while I'm laying is this. Stop. Cool up and take a deep breath. What, what? The Mosaic Project is so much more than anti-bullying or social emotional learning. It's both of those things. But it also puts everything into the context of these social systems that we're all a part of. Prejudice is a judgment made about someone without knowing the person. We intentionally bring together a group of diverse adults, usually more diverse than the students have ever seen, all working together and who clearly love one another and have a really good time together. And this is essential to what we do. I just, I love bringing out whatever they're hiding inside of them and just having them open up and blossom like I did while I was here. What I love about Mosaic is that it's one of those places of where you can be your total self, and there's not many places like that. I was very shy at first. I wasn't talking that much, till my cabin leader, Juan, he told me some of his backstory, told him some of mine. He made me feel very comfortable at Mosaic, and like he opened me up. I want to give other kids the opportunity that Juan has given me. The changes that we see in the students and the youth leaders in just one week are incredible. I came from a place of a lot of privilege. Getting to know people from different backgrounds did change my life in many different ways. Coming back as a youth leader, I feel like I'm doing the action that I wanted to do when I was in fourth grade. I've seen students become more empathetic for one another and be able to talk to each other. I see 
barriers breaking down every day. There's just something about this place that does that. I used to not want to be friends with people who were a lot different than me, but now I have a lot of friends who are different than me. I met a friend named Alonzo. One of my other friends is Theo. Alonzo and Theo are both in my cabin. They're nice people. They're good friends. I learned a lot of things, and everybody has been so kind to me. I think I'll come back when I'm 15 as a cabin leader. I want to teach other kids the way of mosaic. My mama, my mosaic. Every now and then, I watch interactions between children from drastically different backgrounds, actually talking to one another, actually empathizing, actually hearing each other's stories. And it will really hit me like, Wow, nowhere else but here would they even be sitting anywhere near each other, let alone talking. And that's how we're going to change the world. Thank you so much, Hennessy's, for showing that and Laura for contextualizing a little bit of that. Um, I just want to say that that video uh, really gets to me. I've seen it many times now. And I think it partly gets to me because in a way, um, I think the, the kid that I was still lives in me in a way. And the work that we see in this video, a tiny glimpse of it, right, is squarely situated in the formative years of the next generation. And so it's, it's incredibly powerful. There's a quote that references youth and that path of discovering of what you want out of life. And it says something like, the youth first know what they do not want before they know what they want. And I've heard it being applied to choosing a career, for example, but I think it has broader implications and the Mosaic Project, to me, seems to be premised on the idea that no kid wants a violent world nor a discriminatory society. It is almost as if you are all harnessing this common ground, but then building on it. And you are all creating a different path, showing youth things practices and values such as assertiveness have that they might want but didn't know did not know it exists and so i'm wondering if if that can can get us thinking about the work you're doing which is essentially peace building for the present but for the future um, very clearly for for i mean you say it in the video um, it's these formative years that are going to create the next generation of peace builders, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I feel like you just captured everything perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's all of that is is absolutely true, uh, and that idea that we are working towards a peaceful future, but also peace right now, and we often talk about how. We have our pyramid of peace, which I can show in a moment if that's helpful. But this idea that it's what we're striving for, but it's also just a, a way of life and that we can create it right here and right now. And in fact, we uh, 
often talk about we have one evening where we do a, a pretty intensive activity with one another and then we all sit in a big circle at the end and week after week after week these fourth and fifth graders really listen to each other in the circle of over 100 people and the first time we ever ran the session we were planning to divide up in smaller groups to talk about it but the big group discussion was going so well we just kept it and now you know, over 20 years later, we still keep them in that big group after that for that discussion because they can do it. And one of the things we point out is this is what peace looks like right here. All of us sitting in a circle, really being respectful and really listening to one another and hearing each other's stories. This is peace right here, right now. Uh, so yeah, it's about the future, but also right now. And I also completely agree that they know what they, they don't want before they know what they want, but they're also, I think, when it comes to peace and justice, more in touch with what they do want than many adults. Uh, I say to them also on the first day of, you know, we've been doing this work for, we, Mosaic's been around 22 years now, but many of us have been doing peace work a lot longer than that. And in working with thousands and thousands of people doing peace work, of people of all ages, one of the things that I feel has been demonstrated for me is that we all want peace, everybody. Nobody wants to be hurt. Everybody wants peace. And yet, I think sometimes adults and older kids have been hurt so much. And we always talk about how hurt people hurt other people. And some people have been hurt so much that I think they're separated from that desire for peace. But I believe that everybody wants peace. And the other thing we say to them is everybody wants to make new friends. Even if they say they don't, it's just that, again, because they've been hurt, everybody wants to make new friends. And most of us are a little nervous that it's going to be hard to make new friends. So that if we can remember that during the week at Mosaic, then we can really reach out to each other and help everybody feel welcome. Uh, and so we talk about that too. And I think that really does help them make new friends. It's hard to make new friends. It's hard for adults to make new friends, but to make new friends with people from other communities and other schools, that's hard. And so we support them a lot in doing that because that's the foundation of peace is that connection. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And two things that come to mind. One is that precisely, I think you mentioned this too, that no matter how far we've come, uh, there's still a lot of isolation, right? Um, and, and misunderstanding and even worse, prejudice. So I think that focus on, on relationship building and meaningful connections is really important. And I'll just add real quick that um, this, this video on YouTube has these great comments by former uh, participants. Um, people saying, you know, I remember this from the Mosaic Project. I remember this person, you know, it takes me back. So it's really interesting to see those effects uh, throughout the years as, as these, this youth uh, grows up. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, and we're very lucky in that uh, the youth leadership program is an amazing part of the program because we have the youth leaders who most of most of our youth leaders were with us when they were little too. So we get to see them come back and see them reminding themselves of these lessons, see how they've impacted them so far and pass it on to the next generation. So that's always a treat. Yeah. And the, I think this season like 80% of the youth that were with us were with us when they were little too. So that's great to see. That is. So I have a couple more questions. I'll just ask one more and then open up for everyone else to ask. But my question is, Lara, as an anthropologist, in, you know, by training, 
Um, I'm really interested in knowing more about how learning about society and culture shaped the way you decided to interact with the world. Mm. And especially um, apply some of your anthropological insight when starting to bake what would become the Mosaic Project. Wow, okay, what a question. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say my, my anthropological training, but also I did a lot of international work before founding the Mosaic Project. I uh, helped, uh, I was a program director for Global Roots that does cross-cultural exchange programs and community service programs around the world. And I think both of those things, just thinking of it, thinking of this work from a very broad global perspective and thinking about just humans and human nature in general, and then putting the layer of culture on top of that, and then even getting more specific to our own community. But definitely when we were working on this, this curriculum or, or have this continual process, but always looking at how it applies to different cultures, but also how we can tap into that deep inner um, human nature and where the similarities are and where the differences are that we're gonna honor and celebrate. So we talk about one of the, our songs says that we all need hope and care and love. So we focus on what are those, those fundamental needs that everybody has. We have different strategies of getting our needs met, but everybody needs hope, everybody needs care, everybody needs love. And that can help us empathize with one another. Everybody needs respect, everybody needs dignity. Everybody needs friends, community. Like there's so many things we all need. And so we tap into that human nature and that helps us empathize. And then we look at, there's lots of different ways of getting these needs met. There's lots of different ways of doing things. There's lots of different cultures and let's celebrate and honor those. Um, yeah, so I think that is, is the main way. And I think that having a lot of international experiences the whole time that I was uh, working for Global Roots and doing all of these other programs, the whole time I was thinking about how is that gonna apply in my own community? Because it's one thing when you take kids from the US and they're living in a very, very different culture um, in villages in Kenya and living with families and there's language barriers and all sorts of barriers. And yet I would see these incredible bonds develop between students and their host families, like really beautiful bonds across these differences. And the whole time thinking in a way it's easier because our worlds are so different. What's harder is doing this in our own community with different people who are in our own barrier community. So the whole time I was doing that work, I had my eye towards yes, and we're gonna do this work right here in the Bay Area. We don't have to, go to other countries and live with other families in other countries to, to bridge those gaps again, uh, across differences. And in fact, it's harder to do within our own communities and it's really important to do it within our own communities. Yeah. Great, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for that question. Not when I get very often. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. I, I should add one other thing to this that, uh, I did my, my undergraduate degree was in general anthropology, but my master's was in uh, biological anthropology, focusing on biology, ecology, and evolution. So I think that's where I get it looking like at our species and cross species. And I used to work, my, I had a little career as a primatologist before I did international peace work and I worked with apes and monkeys. And so definitely people are like, how does that work in? And it does <laughs> because it is that kinship with 
um, across differences. We are different than gorillas, but having worked with a gorilla daily, I will tell you, you can connect soul to soul with a gorilla. You can, you know, and those of you who have pets know that too. And so it is about that connection and respect for all living things in nature. That was very simplified, but yes, my work <laughs> as a biological anthropologist working with apes yeah. and monkeys also really informs what I do. Wow. wow, thank you. Yes, very, very holistic. Thank you so much. I'll open it up for questions from our audience. Uh, you can feel free to put something in the chat or unmute yourself. I love your work. It reminded me of summer camp and coming from the inner city and working with Peace Corps members and people of all different races. And it really did make a difference. It widened my world. Um, so I was akin to what you were saying. Thank you so much, Karen. Yeah, and that's that the magic of the beautiful outdoors uh, and just being away from home, right? Just being away yeah. from home overnight. For most of our kids, this is their first time away right. from, from home overnight. And even that is just um, an, an inspiring experience. And even if we were just hanging out and playing, I think it would be a big deal because they're away from home in the outdoors for the first time. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot more on top of that too with our, our curriculum. But that that camp setting is just essential and the overnight setting and yeah. the long overnight. Yeah. Can I say one more thing? And then I would say... My, the most amazing thing that happened to me at summer camp was they had these, not mountains, but high hills. And we would go up at night and I could see the stars. That was mm -hmm. the first time I had ever seen the heavens with stars. You know, living in the city, you don't see that. And I was really afraid. And my camp counselor comforted me. And I still remember that being just knowing what God was. Mm -hmm. Ah, that's so beautiful. Opening them up to the whole universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jupiter was really bright in the sky for us all season. We were very lucky just the way the moon was and the weather was. I think every group got really good view of the stars and were just wowed by it. Kids saw shooting stars for the first time, saw Jupiter mm -hmm. for the first time. Um, and I will tell you a little little mosaic secret. Uh, uh, Cassiopeia is all also in the sky in the fall and, and ends up landing during campfire time on our last night, right in the middle of the campfire, the Cassiopeia constellation, which looks like a W, which looks like an M and it's sideways there. So we are like, look at the sideways M in the sky. That's the mosaic constellation. From now on, whenever you see that M in the sky, know that we're waiting for you to come back and be cabin leaders. So like really that's the mosaic constellation yes and then somebody must tell me you can't just look at stars and make up your own constellations i'm like why not isn't that what humans have done throughout time i'm making up my own constellation i agree with that yeah, that's what they are it's not actually you know a big dipper we made that i'm seeing some really great connections here amongst participants um Several have mentioned camps and that formative yeah. experience. So thank you for bringing that to the table, Karen. I, I believe Lou had a question, is that right? Yeah, actually first a comment. So first I'm just filled with so much joy, Laura, hearing you talk about the work that you're doing. I'm so happy that the Peaceful World Foundation is 
is supporting it. And I just think it's, it's extraordinary work and so important. And, and you're an extraordinary leader. I mean, with, you have so much clarity and so much um, uh, are, are able to talk about your work with so much clarity and meaning. It's, it's so moving. Um, and I can tell from the video and looking at how people are interacting with each other, you know, you've also created a whole staff and program where people are are teaching the kids not just by the things that you're saying, but the way that you're behaving, the way that you are together. And the, there's nothing more powerful than that. I do have a couple of questions. So I'm curious, you know, so I, I have a I have a deep background in nonviolence. Uh, and and I'm really curious if you have nonviolence training or if the nonviolence principles that you seem to be operating on, if they just came out of your ex other experiences and uh, training as an anthropologist. Yeah, well, you are digging into the past. Yes. Um, so I it evolved from that, but a lot of it also evolved from my experience as a self-defense teacher for women and girls. Uh, so while I was at Stanford um, and, and doing, I did my undergraduate and graduate work there in anthropology, biological anthropology, I also became involved in a self-defense, I took a self-defense course and then became in an, involved in a self-defense collective of women who taught other women self-defense. And then that got me later into martial arts. So now I've been a martial artist for, uh, wow, over 25 years. Uh, and I would say my martial arts definitely uh, impacts my piecework and my piecework impacts my martial arts. It's definitely, um, you know, a, a give and take um, sort of uh, a relationship. So the assertiveness training we do that I think is so fundamental to our work in piecework is really comes from my work as a self-defense teacher and learning more about assertiveness and then the way that applies and then through just experience working with children around conflict resolution, realizing how much resilience and assertiveness needs to be a part of that, and then incorporating that in more and more. Uh, we yeah. did, so it kind of evolved from all of those experiences and doing some studies on conflict resolution. I would say later in, we've been around 22 years, I'd say about five years into the Mosaic Project, we really did a bunch, myself and a bunch of staff really delved, delved into MVC nonviolent communication mm -hmm. and went through many workshops and then kind of came out the other end of that. And I think it helped us refine our thinking and then we need to just simplify it again right. uh, for children. I think a lot of what we do is like, we come up with these ideas, we get more complex and adult-like with it, and then we come through at the end and simplify it more. And then often what I find is the simplified ideas are better for all adults, mm -hmm. because not just kids, because we can tend to over-intellectualize things, I think, in order to protect our hearts. And so simplifying it for nine and 10-year-olds and then coming out with it in a more pure form, I, I find helpful for me. And I, I think it's helpful for, I've heard, gotten the feedback that it's helpful for many adults. So yeah, yeah we did go through our whole pathway of the MVC training too. Yeah, that matches my experience and my work also. I'm, I'm a big proponent of plain language. Like if I can't say what I'm trying to say very plainly and simply, then, you know, it's not going to reach people. So yeah. So true. Um, the, another question I have is, so what schools are involved in this in the program yeah 
we work with 25, so for our elementary schools, our fourth and fifth graders, we work with 25 Bay Area schools. Okay. Um, more than half, a little more than half are opened. And then we also have Berkeley schools, San Francisco schools, uh, Castro Valley, Hayward, Marin, like a smattering of Bay Area uh, in general. And people do also ask how we get our schools. We, we develop a long-term relationship. The idea is that it isn't just one year, that we're doing in-school programs and all the grades and follow-up and all the grades and teacher work and parent work. So that it's a long-term relationship. So most of our schools have been with us for a very long time. Some of them since literally the very beginning. Uh, and then uh, new, we don't have huge capacity for new schools, but new schools do reach out. And then when there are openings, we work that out. We are working on developing uh, land that a family purchased land for us in Castro Valley, which would be is right in the heart and the center of all our schools. And we're going through the permitting process right now with Alameda County to try to get permits to turn it into a camp. And when we have our own camp, we will hopefully be able to expand and reach more schools, more communities. Yeah. Okay. And I want to let other people ask questions too, but I'm curious what you teach them about conflict resolution. I think that's really key because it's one thing to come together and to feel good and like learn things and enjoy each other. But then when conflicts happen or they go home, they go back into the, into their lives and conflicts happen, you know, what have they learned about how to resolve conflict? So, I mean, you can answer that now or later, whatever, or if there isn't time for it, but I'm curious about that. I am going to show you just quickly um, the pyramids, just a little bit of the theory that we're built on, uh, the pyramids of violence and peace. So I think I think of our music as a musical summary of what we teach, and this is a visual summary of what we teach. And everything we do, we're dismantling this pyramid of violence, and we're transforming it into the pyramid of peace. That's that's what we do through the week in the week with the kids, but that's what we try to do in all of our workshops. So you can see here this idea that segregation being the foundation of violence and connection being the foundation of peace, but we build up this pyramid and uh, focus on respect, recognizing other people's um, uh, perspective, empathy, and then we have assertive communication and conflict resolution. And mm -hmm. our curriculum of the week really follows like this. So Thursday is really almost all about conflict resolution. Um, the Thursday of the camp and the kids go to conflict resolution college and they earn their doctorate in conflict resolution and they get a paper diploma and they also get a cookie um, a diploma we call it because they can eat their cookie diploma and uh, they, they go to college and they get their CRD and so it's very intensive in conflict resolution and we go through our um, five tools for conflict resolution which are uh, stop cool off take a deep breath listen, talk using, uh, sharing your, your I statements. Um, we go through a big thing around that. Empathize, uh, empathize and make a plan, a purple plan, we call it a win-win plan. Uh, so yes, they, we go very, very in-depth in conflict resolution. And mm -hmm. this, these, this approach is, is supported by contact theory, which says that if you put kids together from different backgrounds and are just like play, it could even make things worse, but that people have to be brought together for prolonged periods of time, be working on common goals, yeah. talk about the issues head on, talk about prejudice, don't pretend it doesn't exist, talk about it. They have to have role models of diverse backgrounds modeling, as you talked about, interacting and developing friendships across differences, uh, and they have to be given conflict resolution skills. And so that that is what, what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I will put in the chat, um, because I'm taking that up, I'll put in the chat, we have some uh, action guides 
that uh, go have those pyramids in them and all of our theory and all of that. And so I'll put that in the chat in just a second. Thank you for sharing. And those great questions too, Lou. Uh, Barbara raised her hand. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lou, for that question. I appreciate it. And I, I do have a question for you. I'm in Sonoma County and um, I'm on a board for a youth arts organization. And, you know, listening to this is so incredibly valuable because we're now moved our organization into working with uh, more at-risk youth. And one of our secondary schools we're working with um, have teens, they're all teenagers, have come from uh, the juvenile justice system. Uh, they have a daycare on site because many of the youth are parents um, and they have violent backgrounds. And we're working through the arts and we've been working with this one school and, and the core of it really is, is peace because our, our lead artists have, are bringing this diverse group of at-risk teens together to work through <clears throat> through muraling processes. And during the midst of this, there were there was some violence, there was some shootings, and um, there was a couple of, of young girls that were desperately wanting to find this safe place to come together to explore themselves and, and art. They were just drawn, drawn to that peaceful place that they thought was safe. Um, and so the conflict resolution is really, really helpful to us as an arts organization because that's not exactly what we do. We facilitate the the youth to explore their selves through um, discussions about perceptions of art um, and project-based management of their feelings. Um, <clears throat> so when um, our, our group did experience this, two young women came um, to an evening session um, and they had just come out of a, a fight. And so our our leaders, our team leaders did um, do the best. And I think it was valuable to hear that they just took a simplistic approach and and kept things very quiet, you know, gently separated the girls, partnered up with an adult. And then we put them on the wall and just let them paint for an hour or two um, with pretty much silence just to kind of allow them to process. So um, it does speak to me though, and I so appreciate it as we're moving more towards working in the arts with at-risk kids to ensure that the schools have a process for that management when conflicts do arise. So I appreciate yeah. that very much. Mm -hmm. Thank, you. Thank you. Barbara, we have a question from Tamara Randall on the chat. She's asking how often are camps hosted? Yeah, so we have a fall season and a spring season because we rent camps right now, they're crammed together. That's the only way we can do it. So we run six sessions in the fall and six sessions in the spring. Uh, and then, and it's about 90 students per week. Uh, so overall it's about, you know, around a thousand kids a week, a uh, year going through the outdoor school. Our goal when we have our own camp and our own land is to spread that out, make it more year round. So it's, you know, two weeks on, a week in the school. Yeah. Thank you. Dave, would you like to share any observation? Because you were part of our, the grant meeting in 2018. And I know that when Emily and Mark uh, came to speak about um, the Mosaic project, you were also quite impressed by their delivery. No, I, I just want to say it, it's great. I've, I've really enjoyed hearing everything and, and uh, 
tell you what a great opportunity for kids and getting together and it's, it's fun to see and inspiring so yeah, yeah thank you Laura. and well, i just wanted to say laura thank you so much for the work that you do i feel like this curriculum should be taught more in school um honestly it's it's amazing i feel like you know if it was taught in school we'd have a lot less problems with the adult population Mm -hmm. well, that was yeah. my following question, Laura. Do you have any plans to do a camp for adults? So we do, yeah, we do workshops for adults um, and we do family camps and we haven't, haven't since uh, COVID, but I think the spring will probably bring back family camp. And by family, I mean, you can bring kids or adult kids or, or that I put in our activity bank, which can be curriculum for anybody anywhere. And you can type in the grade level mm. and type in a topic like empathy and a bunch of activities pop up. So check out our activity bank. I was just wondering if um, for the adult camps, if if you also have edible diplomas, cookies. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely a um, an inside joke for the staff. But yeah, we we do not at the we have cookies for sure, um, and also okay. for the, like we'll have like lounges for the adults and all all sorts of things for them too. This has been a really really wonderful conversation, and I want to invite everyone here if you haven't yet to become part of our newsletter so you can keep in the loop and, um, and continue because we, we have so much to share. Thank you so much, Lara. This has been really wonderful. So grateful for the opportunity to talk about our work and to meet all of you. Thank you so much. Thanks for the amazing questions. Thank you, Lara. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lara and everyone else. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about our community building work or to attend one of our conversations live, visit us at peacefulworldfoundation.org. The Peaceful World Foundation was founded by the late Sami Sunchild in 2006 and has since awarded over half a million dollars to local San Francisco and Bay Area nonprofit organizations. Our mission is to promote peace by supporting and encouraging nonprofit organizations in their peace-building efforts within the field of the arts and mindful education. Thank you for listening. To learn more about our community building work or to attend our conversations live, visit us at peacefulworldfoundation.org.